Macworld Podcast number 262 for September 21st, 2011. Welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Editorial Director Jason Snell. Joining me today in Macworld's mighty Podcave studio is Harry McCracken, a familiar face. He was the editor-in-chief of PC World for many years and is now the um, now and always the founder of Technologizer.com and also writing for – where do I see you? You're, on, you're at Time doing a tech uh, blog and appearing sometimes in the Dead Tree edition in Time. I do a, a weekly column also called Technologizer for Time. And um, is that is that on the website, in the print, both? It's every week uh, on the website, every Thursday. So I wrote about Windows 8 for today and pretty frequently in print, but not every week. All right. And uh, you were also at CNET doing a new column, right? I'm doing a little bit of CNET stuff. I'm, essentially for CNET, I am doing a blog, although not one that shows up every day. And that's just on new stuff that competes with old stuff. Yeah, so it's a great uh, idea. It's stuff which attempts to overthrow established products or standards or services. It's the something killer. Except, exactly. Except sensible. Except they never kill. So <laughs> they, they do never kill. So, uh, you know, I invited you, and thank you for coming, um, to talk about the announcements around Windows 8. So Microsoft, at its build conference last week, introduced Windows 8. We got a sneak peek at, at, at the D9 conference earlier this year, and I was there for that one. Um, and uh, boy, Windows 8 is really interesting. And yeah, there's lots of noise all around from people who are saying it's the greatest thing ever and people who are saying it's really terrible and stupid. But what I think is interesting for – this is the Macworld podcast. But what I think is interesting is that you know we've got Microsoft trying to innovate while Apple is trying to innovate. And they really – um, seem to be going in different directions, which I find fascinating. And I don't look at Microsoft's decisions with Windows 8 and say, wow, they really have no idea what they're doing. It's a much more mixed bag, I feel like. You know, some of it is really interesting. And then there's some things I'm like, why are they doing that? Does that make sense? And so, you know, I know you've gotten your hands on the developer preview, which is what it is. It is not a beta even. It's not going to be out until next year sometime, maybe like a year from now. So, you know, what do you think about Windows 8, especially from a t- sort of tablet perspective? Well, this really is the most radically new thing Microsoft has done with Windows, I think basically since Windows 1.0, because if, if you start at Windows 1.0 and trace your way through 25 years of Windows history to Windows 7, it's all evolution, not revolution. Uh, and Windows 7 is recognizably the same basic idea as Windows 1.0, only done with modern technology. And Windows 8, is, it's going off in a different direction. You, you can say it's taking a left turn or it's an inflection point or well, a departure, but it's different. And, and the Windows that we, we know is down, is down in there, but there's this layer of, of Metro on top, which is most like the Windows Phone 7 interface. It's all those tiles and things. And is this right? The, the way you view classic Windows and Windows 8 is to go to like – almost like an app, like a desktop app, yep. and then it shows you kind of the old way of doing things? Yeah, I mean, if, if you are familiar with um, Parallels or VMware Fusion, it's almost the same metaphor. There, you, you launch a window, uh, and and your old version of Windows is in there, although it's, it's not as seamless even as something like Parallels because you, you can't just make the old Windows apps appear in Metro. You're always in this section of Windows, and 
if you have used Windows Phone 7, then you are one of the few people who kind of understands Metro because it, the version in Windows 8 really is very similar. And um, I'd say it's fair to say it's certainly influenced by the iPad and the iPhone, but it, but it's in no way mimicking them. It's, it's quite different. And other than the fact that it's multi-touch, the metaphors are different, the look and feel is different, and it's it's quite good. Right. I mean, the um, people who think of iPhone and iPad competitors, you know, think about Android or maybe like WebOS, but those competitors, they look a lot like the iPhone. They are, they are clearly inspired by the iPhone at the very least. I mean, we could say it's Android, a kind of a knockoff of iPhone. It doesn't really matter. It's it's so similar. Yeah. And that's the, what's striking is when you see Metro, it's it's clearly not like that. It's obviously got inspiration on a higher kind of level from the iPhone, but yeah, it it it's it isn't little icons on a screen. It doesn't have the interaction sort of system that the iPhone and Android have. And yeah. it's really I think really promising and I love the fact that Microsoft's doing something really innovative. Yeah, I mean Anybody who's been covering Microsoft and Apple for a long time, your instinct is to always accuse Microsoft of, of ripping off Apple and to you know, talk about Redmond, start your photocopiers. But that, <laughs> that would be unfair here. I mean, th- there is no question that if the iPhone and iPad never existed, Windows 8 might not exist in exactly this form, but, but there's nothing specific that rips them off. And, uh, and I think generally speaking, we'll, we'll have to see how good Metro is for – desktop applications. One of the things that was interesting about the build conference and, and this developer preview is Microsoft has not shown off any, anything that even tries to be a killer app for Windows 8 yet. Right. In fact, they had college interns write about 20 applications, all of, all of which are nice and they certainly whet your appetite, but, but none of them are things where you, where you slap your head and say, I need to get Windows 8 to be able to run this um, and right. so it's a little bit hard to judge the, the operating system because there's no definitive applications yet. Well, they haven't they haven't even said if we if we'll see Office for Metro, right? I'm sure we will. I mean, and I, I think it's just that Office is on a different track of of development and announcements. But that that's probably the most obvious killer app for Windows 8. And in fact, if there is no Office for Metro, then I don't think businesses have much incentive to go, to go to Windows 8 at all. Yeah, I I am. Um there's so much here about um, especially talking about Apple and Microsoft and how they're making what what approaches they're taking um, one of them and there was a there was a piece about this on the web last week um, was I think on this is my next that was about the role product rollout which is one way that they that they really differ where Apple kind of drops a new product and says here it is it's shipping soon um, in the iPads case it was about three and a half months but it was shipping soon in here and you can get your hands on it and here's the software and this is what we're doing and Microsoft's approach is very different it's you know they did a pre announcement announcement at the D conference with a little bit of a demo they did much more detail at the developer conference which makes sense but at the same time people start to talk about it and there's a lot of misinformation right there are people who act like it's finished and there are people who act like well, actually, I think both sides make a mistake by acting like it's finished and saying, this is it, Microsoft wins, or this is it, Microsoft loses, when in fact, it's just, you know, they don't have their whole story yet. I mean, on day one with the iPad announcement, Apple had iWork apps to send a message that this is going to be something you can use to be productive. Whereas with Microsoft, you'd expect that this story would include at least to mention that, yes, including Office, even if they had nothing to show. And instead, what they do is they show Windows 8 and they show um, they show this desktop 
thing where you can go back in time into the old windows and it's a weird message to send because it makes people like me think, well, wait a second. Are you getting people on board with this new thing or are you just sort of saying, I don't worry about the new thing. The old thing is still there. And it's it's just a – I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong, but it's such a different approach. And it does lead to some confusion and we've seen it. And I think some of that does stem from something which you have to acknowledge, which is Microsoft and Apple have different challenges. Apple has never tried to be all things to all people. Right. And the Mac certainly is not all things to all people, which is why – you know, it has relatively small market share. Windows is everywhere. Windows is used by everybody from clueless newbies at home to gigantic companies. And uh, that's made Microsoft a lot of money, but it also presents a huge challenge because, you know, if Windows is going to have a healthy future, it has to bring all those people along in a way that I don't think the Mac has to. Well, and yeah. Microsoft also has the, um, you know, it's easy to judge them and say, well, you know, what Apple did is they just made a new thing and they threw away the old, and it wasn't a Mac, and they threw it away and they did this new iOS thing and it was very different and not compatible and maybe Microsoft should do that. But what's Microsoft's motivation to do that? Where they're strong is in Windows and on the PC. And, and so they're going to be, a, you know, a, a fourth or fifth or sixth player in the tablet market if they don't have their the strength of the PC market backing them. So, of course, they did it this way. And even if, if Microsoft had created a, a completely new thing, that doesn't really solve anything for them because they have these hundreds of millions of, of Windows users uh, who need to have a future from Microsoft's standpoint, ideally a future using a Microsoft product right. and the notion of creating something entirely new and getting all those people off the old thing onto something entirely new also seems daunting. That that seems in its own way as daunting as, as what Microsoft is doing where they have something which is part old, part new. Uh, and what they're doing is actually I find the, the most um, striking thing you can compare it to is the transition from DOS to Windows that happened you know, in the – from 1985 through 1995, roughly speaking. And with that, you had DOS, which was, you know, at that that point, a, a, a growingly antiquated operating system, text only, no, no graphics, no mouse support. And they brought in Windows not as an all-new product but as a layer on top of DOS. You used to, uh, you used to have to boot and type win, yeah. right? <laughs> and, pe- and people lived in kind of the strange world really for, for, for quite a while where they were in DOS much of the time and in Windows part of the time. And little by little, they used DOS apps less and, and Windows apps more. And looking back, it was kind of peculiar, but it, it did in fact work. And, and if, if Microsoft is able to pull off anything, even sort of like that, it, it could work for them. Yeah, I, I, it strikes me. And as a Mac guy, it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes. But it, it, knowing what I know about Windows users and organizations that have lots of Windows PCs, I look at, at Windows 8 and think – are they going to go along with it? I mean, Mac users are usually pretty good about, all right, we're going to upgrade. We're going to follow Apple where they're, where they're leading. Um, but the idea that – I mean, there are lots of people still running Windows XP out there. Yeah, I mean, so it's, I'm not, it, this is so radical yeah. that are people going to look at this and be like, no, or is Microsoft going to back off and, and kind of cripple the Metro stuff by saying, well, you can really just turn it all off and then it's like nothing ever changed instead of trying to force people, no, this is new, you need to start using this. As of now, I mean, they really are being pretty bold because they, they probably could have done something where you, where you boot it up into something that looked like Windows 7 and then could launch Metro. And they haven't done that. They flipped it around. You boot into Metro and then you can launch the, this uh, Windows 7-like interface. And even then, they've done something which which... 
I kind of wonder if they'll change it because it really seems like poking people in the eye. But <laughs> but when you go into the, the old-style Windows desktop, there, there's this totally familiar Windows start button, you know, the, the most iconic part of Windows. And when you press it, you don't get the old-style start menu. You go back out to Metro, um, huh. which is very disorienting for a while. Um, so they really – yeah, they – Microsoft is clearly erring on the side of, of, of being bold here and, and not kowtowing to all its users. Uh, and I think in corporate America, I believe Windows XP is still the most used version of Windows. It's 10 years old. I mean, I don't know what version of OS 10 was out a decade ago. Well, it was like 1.0, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like, yeah, 10.0, 10.1, 10. 10. yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's in the Mac world, it's kind of unimaginable that you would be using a 10-year-old operating system. And with Windows users, it is still pervasive. Um, one of the um, things that Microsoft has chosen to do with Windows 8, uh, again comparing it to Apple, is, is Microsoft has chosen to make Windows 8. I think I think at the D conference we all expected them to announce they were going to do a tablet version of Windows that was new, and then a desktop version of Windows. And Microsoft has said, no, we're not. It's Windows 8. And you can run Windows 8 on a tablet. You can run it on a PC. But it's still Windows 8. And on that tablet, you can get to the Windows desktop. And on that PC, you can see the thing that's much more kind of iPad-like, the Metro interface. And and they're going to they're gonna put it all together. And Apple has taken the opposite tack, which is to say we've got iOS for our touch devices and we've got Mac OS 10 for our traditional computer devices. Now, you know, with Lion, we're seeing that Apple is, if if not pushing the two OSs together, is trying to get them to use the same language and the, the same frame of reference. So when you use an Apple product, they sort of feel alike. But um, Microsoft went all the way. And, and um, I, I'm of two minds. Again, I understand it. But at the same time, um, I wonder, can you make a good – can you really make a good tablet and can you make a really good platform for tablet apps if – um, if the the all the old apps are sitting under the surface, that moment in the D conference when they they showed this amazing touch interface, and then they brought up the Windows desktop and said, "See, and you can run an old version of Excel." And I was like, "Oh, oh!" It just seemed like such a bad idea to me. What do you think? Is this a good thing or just a different thing to to merge your OS and have one big mega OS instead of like little customized ones for different platforms? I mean, it's definitely tougher to pull off. Clearly, if you look at the history of Windows, it's always been about running on all kinds of computers from um, enormous gaming rigs uh, with multiple monitors to sometimes computers that almost fit in your pocket. Um, well, like you said, Microsoft is sort of everything to everyone, yeah. everywhere. That's what they do. So, yeah, it would have been really radical if they had said, OK, Windows 8 only runs on, on a certain type of computer and that they didn't do that. And I mean, you will see um, very conventional desktops and notebooks that run Windows 8. It, it, it does not require a touchscreen. You can use Metro with, with a mouse and a keyboard, although I think that um, I think Microsoft's phrasing is it's touch first. You, you clearly would rather use it with touch, I think, if you can. Um, I think ultimately it's, it's potentially a good thing just because when you look at, at the pros of Windows versus the pros of Apple, with Windows, you get to choose what kind of machine you want, and you can be very specific. And there's something in every single price range. And um, and if Windows loses that, then it starts to look more like a less elegant version of the Mac rather than something that has, has different virtues than the Mac does. I think one big question is sort of the, how people will live in these two worlds because I can sort of see people sitting at a desk using a Windows 8 PC 
with a keyboard and mouse, much like, like any Windows 7 PC and running Excel uh, or QuickBooks or whatever or Photoshop and then picking up that computer and leaving. Uh, but if you're out and about on the town or sitting on, the, on a bus or whatever, you're not going to be running Excel probably purely through touch. Uh, unless there's a metro version of Excel, you're, you'll probably be using different applications and I can't quite see people flipping back and forth on the fly between old apps and metro apps in the way that, that people are used to flipping back and forth between apps. And I'm, I'm just sort of unclear yet. And I don't, I don't think we'll know until real people start doing this whether it's a pro or a con that you have these two types of apps and you can run almost anything. Yeah, it, it's funny. I think Microsoft's conception, to a certain point anyway, is that you can have this device, you can plug it in, you can use it as a computer, you can unplug it and walk away and have it be a touch kind of interface. It looks like Apple's approach is basically, well, no, you buy a tablet for the tablet stuff, you have a computer for the computer stuff. Apple also you know, sells hardware and makes its money on hardware, and so if you have one of each of these things, that's good for Apple, and Microsoft kind of doesn't sell hardware and this would be okay that you buy one and you move it or move it around. Um, and Apple, you know, with iCloud, you can see the direction Apple's going, which is your stuff's just with you wherever you are on any device. So you don't need um, a device that's versatile. You need devices that are purpose-built. So it's another way where Microsoft and Apple both sort of not, not necessarily seeing the world that differently, but their approaches are really different to it. Which yeah, I mean, I think they're both sort of a lot of the overarching goals are similar in terms of touch being important and the cloud being important, but all, almost all the details are different, and it's fascinating. <laughs> it, it, it is really interesting. Uh, we already know that Apple's way clearly works extremely well, um, and I don't see it stopping working anytime soon. And the big question is whether Microsoft has, has figured out an alternative route that also works. Do you think – I mean, looking at the changes that are in Lion, um, do you think this is Apple um, – paving a road, to use a metaphor that was overused last week, uh, to a, a time when there is sort of one OS like what Microsoft is doing? Or is this more about um, Apple just making its products feel similar, but it's not a... Because I've heard people say, oh, well, you know what's going to happen it is in three years, there's not going to be an OS ten anymore. It's all going to be iOS, and it, it, there'll be sort of a, you know, it'll be a common operating system for everything. And I, I just, I'm not sure I see that. I, I feel like I feel like that's not what Apple's doing and they're just trying to get a family resemblance so everything's consistent. But what do you think? Do you envision that Apple would ever just kind of smash its operating systems back together again? I mean, boy, I'd love to know. I mean, it's easy to kind of say that at some point iOS is the defining operating system for Apple and you can almost argue that's true today. I'm not – I mean, I guess they sell more devices that run iOS than Macs today, yeah, right? Yeah, more devices and, uh, and more money. And clearly with iOS 5, Apple is pushing – the operating system into something that has some of the, the versatility and general usefulness um, of a desktop operating system so that they are making this this mobile operating system in some ways more PC-like. I'd love to know whether th- whether they've defined an end goal. <laughs> I mean, clearly, you know, for many years to come, there are going to be devices that can run InDesign and full-blown Photoshop and, and all the stuff which you can't run on an iPad and don't want to run on an iPad and I guess the big question is at, at some point, you know, do they – is there a version of iOS that can run Mac software, which, which I assume technically is not at all unthinkable. And, and Apple has a good track record in the past of magically making software from one platform right. and then another one. I'm sure they could. No, and I, I think they're doing it – they're not doing it through choice, not because it's impossible. 
Well, so so some of it I think comes back to something that uh, we've heard Steve Jobs talk about a few times, which is um, Apple says they did a lot of testing of touch in a traditional computing environment, and this goes to you know Microsoft saying we're going to have PCs with with touch first, um, and. Apple's belief is if you have a screen that's that's um, perpendicular to the surface, so you're reaching out to touch something and you're having to hold out your hand instead of sort of holding an object um, like a tablet or a smartphone, um, that it's it's bad ergonomically, that people just don't want to reach out and touch their screen. And even if it seems like a cool thing to do, if you have to do it all the time, like you're using Photoshop or, or InDesign or something like that, or, or even like Final Cut, it, it'll be exhausting. Your, your arms just can't be out there all that time. Um, so for me, that that's part of this question, right? It, it's it's what do you do with that stuff that Steve Jobs famously talked about being like the truck stuff, the stuff that mm-hmm. that that you you know you can't really do with a tablet in your lap, at least not yet. Um, and and to me, that seems like that's the reason why there's a Mac and why there's an iOS is because they just think those are fundamentally different kinds of interaction. And Microsoft, maybe they actually do think that that's right, but they don't care. I'm not sure. But putting touch on PCs, you know, Microsoft saying, yeah, you're going to reach out and touch your laptop screen, you're going to touch that desktop PC screen. You know, so what do you think? Is that, you know, is it they're different ideas? Do you think there, there's more validity in one than the other? I mean, I think Microsoft is thinking about that because um, technically speaking, when you're inside this, this old style Windows desktop running old style Windows applications, they are usable through touch. I just think it would be kind of an unpleasant experience, especially on a, a desktop computer if you have to lean into a large monitor and precisely click a menu and then choose another menu and sometimes another level of menu beyond that. Yeah. That sounds kind of painful, but but Metro, I mean, Metro really errs on the side of not giving you a lot of choices at any time and the, the type is very large and um, and you don't see the Windows Chrome at all when you're running an application. The applications run in full screen mode and... Um, Right, but I, imagine imagine if you had a PC running Office for Metro that that would be sort of like running one of the iWork apps for the iPad, where it's 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 Metro interface, it's more touch oriented and all of that. And now I'm sitting at a desk with that on my screen. You know, I guess you can interact with that with a keyboard and a mouse. But I that's that's what I'm wondering about this is yeah. does that scenario does that scenario work or do people realize? Oh no, I I can't use it this way. This that doesn't work. I need to, you know, I need to have my hands down or 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 not. Metro moves in the right direction at least. Um, I mean, I, I think that PCs are going to have to evolve, and you can see a little bit of that with these HP Touch Smart computers, which seem to be about the only successful touchscreen desktops that exist today. And HP has been doing them for a few years, and the first ones look very much like like an iMac or another all-in-one. And lately, HP has been doing things where, where this, you can slant the screen downwards. So in, instead of you know hitting something um, which is perpendicular to the desktop, you're, you're kind of pointing downwards in, in a way that does help. So just change uh, the ergonomics of the yeah. whole computer equation that we've had for the last you know 30 years. I think even then it's a challenge. But um, I mean, one of the, the huge holes in being able to judge Windows 8 is, is the computers are going to have to change. And other than this one Samsung device, which Microsoft really tried to drill into us at, at, at Build, we should not be judging the Samsung device um, as a Windows 8 computer because the ones that ship in a year almost will be different. 
that's the only device we have any any knowledge of that was designed with Windows 8 at, at all in mind. And uh, and by the middle of next year, when when Windows 8 ships, I'm hoping you'll see some computers that were clearly designed from the ground up to run this operating system. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting idea that you could have your your tablet with you and and uh, plug it in somewhere, and it's a PC. That, I mean, it's it's I can see the appeal of it. Um, my question is always, you know, is that better than having a PC where where you're going? Unless you're for edge cases, you know, I'm tra- I'm on a plane with a tablet, and then I get to my destination, and I need it to be a PC again. Anybody who's used an iPad with an external keyboard and fr- been frustrated with, the, you know, do I travel with a laptop? Do I travel with an iPad? You know, I can I can sort of see that. Um, one of the interesting quirks about when we talk about the future of the hardware is that. Microsoft has said this is going to run not only on traditional Intel processors but on ARM processors, which are low-power mobile device processors. And Microsoft has also said that they are making no effort to provide any kind of compatibility layer for ARM processors from Intel. So so you won't be able to do like a Rosetta kind of thing where um, your old apps from five years ago will run on one of those new ARM-powered Windows 8. They'll, they'll work on the Intel ones but not on the ARM ones. I thought that was really interesting because it suggests that this is Microsoft's way of drawing a line and saying we're providing compatibility back there. But I would assume some of the snazziest, lowest power, longest battery life, smallest, thinnest uh, Windows 8 devices, especially tablets, are going to be based on ARM stuff. They're not going to run old versions of Excel or Quicken or anything like that. And um, it's almost Microsoft's way of making making that clean break like Apple would make without actually having to make it because they make it in hardware and they say, you know, don't buy one of these. These are less compatible, but they're awesome. If you need compatible, buy the less awesome things. Is that is that about right? What they're that's what they're up to? Yeah, well, it still seems unclear because um, there's it's a year away, right? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot that's unclear. I mean, reporters kept asking Stephen Sanofsky, who's who's Mr. Windows at Microsoft and the head of that group, about that. And he kept not quite saying, no, we won't support old-style Windows apps on ARM. Uh, he said, this is the message we're giving to developers. And then I met to Qualcomm, with Qualcomm at the event, Qualcomm being one of the largest companies that, that makes processors based on ARM. And they were talking about how they, they hope that companies that make old-style Windows apps will bring them to the ARM platform, which, which would require recompiling them. Right, which I, I think that's the difference, right? So you can you can bring your old app over, but you have to do some work to recompile yeah. them, which means if you want some sort of like a legacy version that's out there and old and unmaintained, it's just not going to work. But but they could bring over – They could do that. I mean Microsoft pointed out that uh, with the Metro apps under the surface, Metro apps can go into a freeze-dried mode, which sounds similar to what iOS right. permits where you feel like you're cycling through apps that are all running, but in fact they're um, – um, going to this freeze-dried mode so they don't use up battery life. And the old-style Windows apps will never support that. So it's possible that if if Intuit, for instance, recompiles Quicken, it might run on an ARM processor, but it might drain the battery really quickly. Right, and it'll be in the desktop and it'll look like old Windows. Right. You could get to it, but it's not going to be a great experience. And I have no idea how Microsoft and, and device makers are going to explain the distinction between x86-based Windows 8 machines and ARM-based Windows machines to anybody, especially to, to consumers who oh, yeah. don't care about this stuff or know about this stuff. So so um, one of the other interesting things that Microsoft's doing, I mean, you, you, 
you said it. There's a lot of things in the Metro stuff that do sound familiar to somebody who's been following Apple and the decisions they've made. They've got this sort of auto-quitting of the apps and the freeze-dried kind of mode where there's a lot of a lot of power saving going on here, managing it carefully. Um, and another thing that came out is that their um, IE for Metro doesn't have plugins, which means it's essentially the same decision Apple made, which is to say this is better if Flash isn't in here because it, it's more stable and it doesn't drain battery. And somebody at Microsoft basically basically said that. They didn't say flash. They said plugins. Right. But we know what they're talking about. So it's interesting that Microsoft, you know, is making a lot of the same decisions we saw Apple make because they want to have it be a, you know, low battery or, or, or I mean low power consumption, long battery life kind of product. And reliable. And reliable. Um, and it startled me when Microsoft said that, but in some ways it shouldn't have, because going back to IE nine, which um they started um Releasing in preview versions last year, they really downplayed plugins and and, uh, and even extensions in there, and really kind of said that you don't really want to be mucking around with, with your browser because all it does is make it less reliable and eat up more memory. And um, so they're taking a more extreme version of that. You will there will still be this version of IE you can run in the desktop on. I almost, Windows, I almost uh, called it classic yeah, mode right? <laughs> on Windows eight. Uh, <laughs> So if, if you love Flash, you will be able to get to it. But if you're running the, the Metro version of IE, which actually looks quite cool, um, there's no Flash, no nothing. And, wow. and presumably by a year from now, HTML5 video will be in even better shape than it is now. And, and Microsoft is gambling on on the notion that an average consumer is going to be okay with this. It just goes to show that you know uh, um, Apple takes a lot of grief for some of these decisions they make because they're – uh, I think maybe just have the guts to make them and know they're going to take they're going to get grief, but that um, it's the right decision to make. And it's interesting to see Microsoft make these decisions because it, it validates the whole premise. I mean, Apple doesn't do this because they're jerks and they they want to put a pin in Adobe. Now they might be jerks; they might want to put a pin in Adobe, but that's not the reason. There's another good reason to do it. And Microsoft is doing the same thing. Um, uh, before we go, I, I wanted to talk to you for a minute about, uh, again, about the media coverage of this because I, I'm sort of fascinated by it that um, – and I know this is kind of big picture, head in the sky kind of stuff. But um, fascinating to see how how people draw um, wildly different opinions, uh, draw wildly dr- different – they make the assumptions and opinions and write these crazy things in some cases um, when when – seeing the same stuff and and how much of that is Microsoft's communication issues and how much of that is just people hear what they want to hear. We saw um, we saw one, uh, Boy Genius Report wrote a piece that basically said, uh, this is it, the iPad is dead. This product that doesn't exist and won't come out for more than a year um, is going to roll over the iPad, which I thought was just a ridiculous, just ter- terrible piece. It was ridiculous. Um, at the same time, we've seen lots of um, uh, Apple fans write things saying, oh, you know, the, the tablet they gave away uh, has fans blowing all the time and if this is the best Microsoft can do, then forget about it. This is a joke. And neither of which is fair because it's this weird developer unit tablet designed for Windows 7 really and and then retasked for this developer unit of, of, of Windows 8. So, you know, I don't know what your take is on this. You wrote a great piece that said, calm down, <laughs> it said, you know, this is early. We need to be reasonable. We we know some things and we don't know some things, um, which I, 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 loved, I loved your article on this subject. But, 
you know, why is this just what we've come to that it doesn't even matter what the content is? People are going to draw sides and make ridiculous assumptions and and then yell at each other. Um, Maybe that is. Maybe I'm in the wrong business then. But um, it it just it struck me just how far off of reality so many people were about about this one announcement, a single announcement. I mean, it's almost like politics. There, There are people who want Windows to succeed. There are people who want Windows to fail. There are people who just want to say something controversial in hopes Fair that enough. people will read it. Um, when I talked to the journalists who were at the event, though, I think I think the general consensus was pretty consistent, which was there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. I haven't met anybody who's used Metro who thinks Metro is, is terrible. Everybody thinks it's at least really interesting. Um, but everybody else seemed to agree that there are a lot of unanswered questions and all you can do is start to sort of form a general opinion about Microsoft's strategy and you can't come to any conclusions about execution yet. And obviously a huge amount of it is, is in the execution and is in, is in stuff that Microsoft um, has not delivered on. And, and at, at Build, when they were doing their keynote, they showed a bunch of things that are not in this developer preview, like, like they showed uh, an email app and, and a calendar and some syncing stuff that is sort of um, vaguely along the same lines as iCloud and, uh, and some photo stuff. And that they're not ready to release to anybody yet. That's, that's still under development. And um, so you can, you can look at Microsoft's strategy and say, yeah, that's great. Or you can look at it and say, no, that, that's wrong. But you can't judge whether they're going to do what they've promised. And, and it's, it's reasonable for people to be skeptical about Microsoft's promises about new versions of Windows because in a worst-case scenario, they sometimes demo stuff a year ahead of time or two years ahead of time or three years ahead of time and just pull it out. Yeah, the search um, in Longhorn is yeah. the one I remember. Yes. I actually met somebody on the Longhorn search team, which that was supposed to be what – that was what Vista turned into and the search uh, just was gone. There was this um, thing called Win, WinFS, which was an all-new file system right, for Vista, right. which was supposed to permit – amazing search and, and to get a lot rid of a lot of the issues with managing files. And they de- Bill Gates, I believe himself, demoed it and said, isn't this incredible? <laughs> this is what we've been working on for the last 20 years. And then they, they figured out they couldn't do it and they pulled it out of Vista. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think any of the major stuff they've shown off is just not going to show up in, in Windows 8 because we are relatively close to them locking it down. But if people want to be skeptical, that that's not unreasonable. Right. We don't know what the execution is. We certainly don't know where the hardware is going to be. And we don't know where the market's no. going to be in a year. We don't know what the Android yes. tablet's going to look like, what the iPad's going to look like. We we just don't – we don't have any idea what, what the that market is going to be what and what the hardware is going to be on, on any side, right? So it's hard to say – it's just as hard to say this is a failure as it is a success because it's not either yet. It's interesting stuff and there's skepticism and there might be optimism, but it's 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 really far off. And for people who follow Apple, it's kind of hard to think about it that way, that this is, this is like the days when Apple does an operating system uh, developer preview at WWDC and says, we'll ship this in a year. Uh, it, it's, a, it's sort of like that. It's way out there. Which leads me to a last question for you, which is the way Microsoft rolled this out. Um, they, they have a developer conference. They did a bunch of um, rollouts to not just developers but to the press. They invited press. They gave uh, – they seeded units to, uh, of this tra- tablet to the press. Um, they, then they gave a tablet to everybody who was in attendance. So um, did they make a mistake 
in going into the level of detail they did in the in the keynote that was going to generate the most coverage um that's a that's very much not what Apple does, where they will do a high-level thing that is the sort of press event at their developer conference. It's two hours, and then they drop the curtain, they kick the journalists out, and they go into lots more technical detail with the developers. And Microsoft didn't do that. They spent they they took a deep dive in their keynote, and I heard a lot of people saying, "Oh God, that, that keynote was really long. It was too detailed." You know, I don't know whether that's just coming from seeing how Apple does it or not. So I ask you, could they have rolled this out in a better way to, to make it clear and make people understand it better without getting bogged down in some of the, the, the details? Or is it just, you know, or is it fine that Microsoft just does it this way and that's how it is? Well, I mean, Microsoft, bless them, I don't think they even <laughs> try to do a Steve Jobs type keynote where Steve Jobs is not communicating to the people in that room primarily. He's communicating to the world and to anybody who might buy an Apple product. Microsoft, on the other hand, they had 5,000 Windows developers at this conference and they gave those people in that room a keynote which was, was tailored to their, their questions, needs and interests. So right. But then invited the yeah. press and live streamed it and got all this coverage and they, they've got to know that it's going to be covered. So they, 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 they chose to not change their approach yeah. even though they, they, they know they could do what Apple does and say, all right, they're going to focus on us so here's what we're going to do. We're going to give the press this and then we're going to drop the curtain and we're going to talk about this other stuff and most people won't care because um, they'll, they'll just cover the main points. I mean, I think it probably makes sense because, again, another difference about this keynote is it's roughly a year ahead of anybody being able to get their hands on the product. And um, so while I'm sure Microsoft would like people to start to get interested in Windows 8, um, that's not the most important thing right now. The most important thing is that developers get excited and start to build build Metro apps, build right? great apps. And yeah. so, um, uh, and I think overall, if, if you read um, Apple sites, you might think that, that the, the general reaction to Windows 8 was bad. I think overall, generally speaking, the consensus was pretty favorable. It, it certainly um, didn't turn out that um, that Windows 8 has gotten a bad reception so far. Generally speaking, it's, it's been pretty good. Well, after years of Microsoft sort of getting beaten up over uh, over kind of being clueless and, and making – uh, weird upgrades. I mean, then they got beaten up about Vista and Windows 7 was very much a kind of the apology <laughs> release. Um, I think a lot of people were just happy to see uh, that Microsoft is trying to do, trying to innovate, trying to do some new things. Where do you think, now that I've said we don't really know, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, what do you think is the most likely outcome here in terms of Windows 8? Do you think it's going to be a success with with people who use PCs? Ultimately, it's asking a lot of them, and I know it's asking a lot of you to go out a year, but it does seem like Microsoft is, is challenging its users in a way that maybe it hasn't recently. They're, they're totally trying to be provocative. I mean, there's one thing which I think people haven't worried enough about. It could be a huge issue, and that, that is the degree to which PC makers mess up Windows. Um, <laughs> right, because unlike I, yeah, Apple, yeah. Microsoft can't control that uh, part of the equation. Really. I have an old ThinkPad, and I, I just which came with uh, Vista, and I just installed Windows 7 on it. It's really good. I mean, it's, it's almost an Apple-like experience in, in terms of, of there not being a lot of junk or stuff popping up, uh, and it's very pleasing. And I have another ThinkPad, which I bought with Windows 7, where Lenovo made the decisions about what I would see, and it's it's just kind of agonizing because um, it started bugging me because I didn't want to install the the Office demo, 
Um, when I launched uh, Internet Explorer for the first time, the very first time, IE gave me a message saying that I had um, add-ins that were slowing it down and I might want to turn them off. And that's because <laughs> Lenovo had installed a <laughs> Lenovo toolbar. Um, and there's all kinds of Lenovo applications which um, don't make my life any better and probably make it a little bit worse. And I'm still a little bit unclear as to whether Metro will prevent PC makers from doing this kind of stuff because Metro doesn't have this whole architecture of, of pop-up messages and so forth. And it, um, but that's really – that's a worst-case scenario that, that, that Windows 8 turns into something unpleasant uh, because PC makers couldn't deal with it. Um, I think overall, I think Microsoft is moving in the right direction. It would actually be more risky not to do something like this um, because I think you will see iOS and Android move pretty aggressively to become your everyday computing device. And, and worst case scenario, your, your PC just starts to be something you only use occasionally. Right, and that's it's the last like, thing yeah. Microsoft wants. I mean, the truck scenario comes true. Right, right, because that's, that's not good for Microsoft. Well, Harry, thank you for coming in to the Macworld offices. It was great to have you in the building. It was great to be back. Um, and uh, I really appreciate your insights about um, what's going on on the other side of the fence with Microsoft and Windows 8. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. And I'm Jason Snell for the Macworld Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>